Hey, Jason Wood here, the VA Loan Guy and host of the Armed and Ready podcast. Today, we have a really exciting episode for you. Come on and take a look. Hey everybody, Jason Wood here, the VA Loan Guy. Super excited to bring you first episode of season two of the Armed and Ready podcast. Um, we have a returning guest with us today, Melanie Burkholder. Super excited to have her on the show. Um, prior Secret Service agent, now running for office. So we wanted to dig into to what's happening in the campaign and kind of get into the meat of it um, and talk to you about where you are with everything and propositions and, and all that stuff. There's a lot happening campaign season now. Um, we're less than a month from election day. So I know the pressure's on and, and the tireless <laughs> nights are here. Um, so tell us, how is the campaign going? Yeah, um, thanks for asking and thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. Um, I love this podcast. I love what you stand for and what you do. So it's really important um, to me to be able to have a voice here. So thank you for that. You're Jason. welcome. Yeah. Um, my goodness. Yes. 27 days, but who's counting? Uh, what's happening in the campaign has been very interesting. We've actually challenged uh, my opponent to a debate several times in several different occasions, and she's not uh, stood for the challenge. She's not even answer the challenge. So um, it's very difficult for someone to determine who to vote for if you don't have the opposition's views and uh, ideas on policy. Yeah. You think, they're, you think they're scared? Well, we have her face on a milk carton. So <laughs> it might be. We don't know where she is. We don't know uh, what she stands for as far as, you know, in Carlsbad Unified, our kids are still out of school. They're doing remote learning, which is why Cash is here with me today, because he can do his homework anywhere. Um, and, you know, I don't know, does she want the schools open? Does she want the kids back to in-person learning? I, I'm not sure. I definitely do. Um, as a mental health therapist, I'm seeing so many problems that are not relative to education, but that are relative to our kids' mental health needs, and they're not being met. And basically what distance learning does is provide a deeper gap with the haves and the have-nots. Uh, there is no equity in learning when you have to have uh, distance learning because, you know, some people may live in an apartment with five other people. They share a computer. They don't have the means necessary to uh, create equity in learning. And then other folks have those means and can do it. So um, we didn't sign up for a public education to be delivered via an online uh, teaching experience. Actually, I went into Cash's room yesterday and he had P.E., first period. And I literally heard his teacher say, okay, um, now you guys go outside and, and do aerobic exercise or wherever you need to go to do it and do that for 40 minutes, come back and we'll talk about it. He's in seventh grade. I'm like, <laughs> what did he just say? Like, that is not acceptable. Um, I can pay for an athletic trainer. I can pay for a music teacher. Um, and what they're proposing for middle schoolers and high schoolers is to keep them home through the month of January. They've already wow. been out of school since March 13th. Wow, that's uh, too long. It is unacceptable. <clears throat> they don't have a plan. We need a plan for reopening. I don't know if my opponent has any idea what's going on in the school systems because, again, she's nowhere to be found. And these people are hurting. Uh, you know, we're seeing incidences of abuse, neglect, uh, food insecurity, domestic violence. All of these things are increasing right now, and um, this is a real deal. So people that have never even thought about smacking their kids or, you know, smacking them around, it's like what, isolation, you know? And Yeah, I mean, you got everybody cooped up. And I know that, you know, there's a lot of children out there who don't come from a good home. Yeah. And sometimes getting to school 
is the best part of their day. Yeah, Yeah. it's a safe place. And now, you know, they're they're trapped at home in that environment. So Um, true. And, you know, and the teachers are mandated reporters of abuse. And uh, if they're not seeing the children, then, you know, it's very difficult to to give them the needs that they have, you know, to supply the resources and the needs for them. And um, it's just it's just heartbreaking, really, what is happening to the children. Rates of suicide ideation and, and attempts are on the I mean, astronomically astronomically rather increased right now in uh, use of antidepressants, anti-anxiolytics, all of those types of drugs that treat mental health uh, illness is they're, they're increasing right now. And, um, and, and good, I mean, good. I want people to, to take the medicine if they need it, obviously, course, yeah. but, um, but we also want to create an environment for learning and that's just not happening uh, right now. It's, Do you think like, you know, I know the distance learning and stuff is because of COVID and the, and but do you think that some of this is kind of kind of fear mongering a little bit? Yeah, Jason, um, I do. I think actually, what it, when you have a narrative of fear and and you drive that narrative for su- such a long period of time, uh, it's really hard to change the narrative and to get people's minds changed. I mean, I'm in a group for reopen schools, and we're presenting data and facts for other districts that have opened Mm -hmm. to show, I mean, obviously we don't want any teachers sick. We don't want kids sick. You know, we don't want to hurt anybody to just do this safely. And, and, you know, I just, I can't fathom how our folks can't get it together. Costco has been open this entire time. Grocery stores, you know, all of these places have been open. So why are we not modeling our reopened behavior after what they've done has been successful? And have a plan. Really, we're not asking to open tomorrow. That's not our purpose. Actually, we were just at a, a peaceful protest prior to this uh, um, podcast, just saying, you know, my my issue is mental health, obviously, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, just saying we've got to get the kids back in school for their for their mental health. And the, the proposal that we have for middle schoolers is to send them back uh for extracurricular activities. And so what I was saying earlier is I can hire a music teacher. I can hire an athletic trainer. I, I can't teach my kid math, you know, right. And that's what we need. We need learning. We don't need, I mean, we, we need all of it, the totality of the circumstances, but you know, critically it's, it's, uh, it's getting serious. So. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me. And I sometimes wonder if there's, you know, kind of conspiracy theorist in, in me wonders if kind of the fear mongering has a deeper purpose, but you know, yeah. I watched something on the news, um, the other day and they were talking about Sweden and how yeah. they handled the whole COVID situation and then what their, their results were, mm-hmm. you know, thus far. And their results really weren't much different from ours, Yeah, but they didn't close anything. Right. They didn't sh- I mean, they, Never. they did put some things in place, like some social distancing. They eliminated like big group gatherings. So, you know, they did some stuff. It's not like they ignored it. Yeah. Um, but then you look at the extreme measures that we've taken in, in our state and in our mm-hmm. country. And, you know, some states are more open than others, but um, it seems to me like, if the COVID thing, we're probably all going to get it in yeah. some form at some point, yeah. right? Um, and if I think if we can look to that as maybe an example, and I know you know certain states like our state probably is not willing to, um, but I think that's a good example that the, the numbers aren't varying, you right? Know? And the kids are the least susceptible, susceptible to, to it. it. Yeah, in in San Diego County, we actually haven't had one death of anybody under the age of twenty, but uh, three point four million people. But I mean, I think to your point. Um, if there is a greater entity making the decisions, uh, you know, we have California Teachers Association, a very, very powerful uh, union in California that I'm sure is having influence on the de- decision makers um, to some extent. 
uh, if you look at people like my opponent, if you look at where her money comes from, it comes from special interests and lobbyists and, and, and unions in Sacramento. She has more donations from Sacramento than she has in the district. And I have all of mine are, you know, in district or maybe like I have a friend in Texas that gave me 50 bucks or something. But um, it's overwhelming to see the difference in the support. Um, and I think it's it's indicative of how the district is going to turn in November, because um, I'm not for uh, union, uh, union teachers unions. I'm, I'm for people. So. I think when you start getting your pockets lined with um, all of that money, you forget what you're doing, who you're doing, what you're doing for. Yeah, I agree. I mean, my my political stance is I really am not pro any career politician. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like, you know, the natural instinct for anybody, regardless of party, when you run for office, like the very first time, whatever level, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's city government or a county position or even you're running for something bigger. But the first time and usually the first term is usually fairly sincere, right? The the motivation behind it, the things you're trying to accomplish are pretty sincere. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like after first term or maybe halfway through a second term of any elected office, kind of the, the greed and the money and the power starts to kind of overcome the initial drive yeah. to go into public office. And then I think it's indicative of like your opponent who is just getting money from special interest groups and things like that and kind of forgotten the purpose, yeah. right? Yeah. And the purpose now is to get reelected. The purpose isn't to help the people. That's right. And that's right. and that's that's where our system, I think, is broken at every level, the federal level, all the way down to the, you know, to the most entry level of um, yeah. political offices. Um, but it's it's something that I don't know. I think is is near and dear to a lot of people's thought process because you know we're watching after and and California is a, a pretty bad, big abuser of just keep reelecting the same person yeah. after time, after time, after time. Yeah. But, you know, their impact for the people just diminishes every election. Mm -hmm. But yeah. they grow rich. <clears throat> That's right. And, I, you know, this is not going to be the highest paying job I've ever had. I don't intend to be in politics for the rest of my life. I, um, I, I'm looking at the district and I'm, I'm hearing people reach out to me that are in need and they need help. They need guidance. They need someone to point them in the right directions a lot of the times. and. Um, that's why I'm doing it. I certainly, I certainly don't have to work. Uh, I'm very fortunate for that. But uh, that's how passionate I am about this and, and for the future of California and for my children. And like you said, if you keep electing bad leaders, you get bad leadership. Right. And so um, I, I think it's really important to recognize that my opponent has not been out and in, in ahead of any of this. Uh, she's like hiding in her basement. She actually said uh, that she wants to wait until there's a vaccination and everybody in the globe gets vaccinated before she comes out and does anything. And, it, you know, going back to Sweden, what the numbers show relative to children getting this virus. And, you know, <clears throat> the governor keeps changing the goalposts on us, quite frankly. Yeah. Now he's got some sort of a rainbow chart of when we can open. And, you know, it used to be, well, we're going to do, two, you know, two weeks to slow the curve or, you know, flatten the curve. And and now it's, oh, by the way, now we have to wait, 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 wait. Youth sports still aren't open. Uh, it's, it's very, very hard for children to continue to be in isolation, particularly in the middle school age group. Um, yeah. They need to establish those friendships. You know, what they do in middle school right away, right off the bat, they go to a middle school camp, sixth grade camp, you know, just to get these kids to work together in the spirit of, you know, uh, working together and not creating an environment of, uh, you know, uh, you know, 
a toxic type environment. Yeah. So um, it's just, it's, it, this is a big thing. You know, I think we talked before about what are the issues that are, uh, you know, in the, in this 76 district, which by the way, includes Encinitas, Oceanside, Carlsbad, Camp Pendleton and Vista. Um, now the issues used to be, you know, traffic, uh, immigration, schools that are failing our children and, uh, you know, different taxes. Now it's severely opened the economy and open schools. I mean, literally, those are the two main goals that I would have safely, obviously. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but everybody yeah. Everybody needs a plan. Everybody needs a plan. And we have also coupled with all of this on the ballot this November, we have all of these propositions. So I kind of wanted yeah, to I was go over ask this. You about that. Okay. So, like the propositions. Like, honestly, like, I don't even know what's going on with any proposition until like the day before Election Day. And then I kind of <laughs> yeah, read up yeah, on it yeah. and figure out, OK, these are the ones I'm voting yes on and no on. Because um, you can't even really tell from the ads on TV what oh, no, what really they're talking about, because there's correct. There's stuff buried in those things. So mm -hmm. it's just kind of a sales gimmick when you see it on TV. Mm -hmm. But so what are the what are the propositions that, you know, you're for? And and tell us about the proposition a little bit. Maybe some some meat on that. Sure, sure, sure. I have to put my glasses on. So the only two that I'm voting yes on are Proposition Twenty, which is um, the uh, it's a law enforcement proposition. It sort of reverses the excesses of Prop Forty Seven and Prop Fifty Seven, which I think we have spoken about before. That ties the hands of law enforcement to actually do their job. Um, I've I've got that I think on a walk piece that I'm just so against those two props that really. As a former law enforcement person myself, we really need a broad scope of our ability to do our job. And this really helps do that. It restricts uh, parole for certain offenders and reauthorizes felony sentences for uh, certain offenses currently treated as misdemeanors. So um, I definitely want to support law enforcement. And uh, it's interesting, and your um, viewers should know um, that my opponents platform is to defund the police. It's literally in the San Diego County Democratic Party's. Uh, platform to defund the police. So, um, when has anarchy ever been the solution? <laughs> like that's that's what I wonder, right? Like defund the police. So really, you don't want police here. Yeah. So you're cool with your house getting burned yeah. or broken into, and all the stores getting. I mean, destroyed. really, really. I mean, they're okay with that. Like, I, I, I just don't understand the thought process behind. Let's eliminate the rules. Yeah. Right. I, it just it won't it won't work. I mean, I, home prices will go down. You're in the real estate business. Home prices will go down. Schools will be deteriorated. You know, it just it doesn't work for the safety of the community. And safety is government's number one role to provide safety. When people don't feel safe, they start buying guns. Guess what? Gun purchases are on the increase. Ammunition has gone up. I'm actually hosting. You can't hardly even get ammunition I know. right now. I'm hosting another uh, shooting range day. We had one for my birthday in August, which was a huge success. And so many people wanted to go. My son's in the background going, yay, he can't wait. Um, so we're doing another one on the 13th of October. If people want to join me, go to info at Melanie for Assembly or just my webpage, Melanie for Assembly, and um, you can sign up there. And I can't wait to go. But, you know, they increased the price by 20 bucks from August to October for, for the range, you know, so I'm, I'm still getting a killer deal. But I mean, that's just how much uh, uh, ammo has gone up. Yeah, it's and, hard and get. getting it is hard. Yeah. yeah. And I, ha I, I usually shoot a 357 SIG and they hardly ever have that uh, 
caliber. So we're going to do 22s, I think, that day just to make it easy. But anyway, um, so that's Prop 20, definitely a pro-law enforcement candidate. I'm so happy to be endorsed by the Oceanside Police Officers Association. And uh, they understand that as a former law enforcement agent myself, I would not want to defund the police, nor would I want to take their pensions. It's a little bit different um, being a Republican, but uh, it's just I've put on a badge and a gun and a vest and I've done the job. So I I understand what it's like uh, every day to do that. And you know what? I protected presidents. I knew my protectee, right? I knew who I was protecting. Um, uh, Common everyday police officers go out and do it for people they don't even know. I mean, it's really fascinating to me. Yeah. Well, and they, and I feel like sorry for them in one sense, you know, they, they can go to, you know, pull something over for a minor traffic violation and that could be just total average Joe, whoops, made a mistake. Or it could be somebody who's going to fly off the handle, pull a gun on them, right. you know, and, right. and you never know. And you're in, su- they're in such a vulnerable position in just like yeah. regular traffic stops. And of course they do more than that, as we know. Um, but stripping them of funds, you know, the funds aren't just for buying guns and bullets, right? right? You know, like, and, and I think maybe that's where some of this is misinterpreted, right? Because they see, you know, the media blowing out of proportion, you know, police aggressiveness and and those deaths. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying, minimizing minimizing the importance of those or those incidents, but the funding of the police isn't only for buying bullets and guns, right? right? right. It's for training. It's for education. And if we want the police force to do a better job, then we need to provide them the tools in order to do it, right? We need to empower their leaders to be able to implement whatever other protocols or processes that need Mm -hmm. to be in place. So they can work towards preventing that kind of stuff in the future. Absolutely. I mean, that's the only way. And that's what we're proposing is actually um, a little bit more accountability on the training, because in California, they actually do go through. So like as a therapist, mental health, I have to do my continuing ed credits to get my licensure every uh, renewed every time. And uh, law enforcement does training to that effect. Um, and they, I, I'm encouraging perhaps a demonstration of their use of force policy, an actual physical demonstration of that. Um, and, you know, in, in Secret Service, we had to do that. We had to go in with all this, uh, like, it's like almost like um, boxing gloves, but all over your body. <laughs> and you, oh, okay. and you had to um, take somebody down, you know, and, and render them uh, safe. And I think maybe that should be added, perhaps. I'm not um, advocating for pouring a ton of more money into this stuff. But, I mean, critically think about what we're doing right and then also what we need to improve and then provide them with those resources that they need to do Well, maybe there's like some different accountability measures that can be enforced on the leadership in the police force, right, to to ensure – you know, that the junior ranking guys or gals are doing what they're supposed to, how they're supposed Mm -hmm. to, and that Mm -hmm. goes up the chain of command, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, have some levels of accountability. And, and, you know, if something bad happens, then everyone in that direct chain all the way to the top, then, you know, they feel it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Um, I I think the the other proposition, if you want to go back to the props, the other proposition that I'm in favor of is is 22. And I'll explain that too. Um, So we all are probably familiar with the law, the AB5, the gig economy killing uh, independent contractor killing job uh, sponsored by uh, Bill Law, rather, sponsored by Lorena Gonzalez and also supported by my opponent three times. This put uh, hundreds of thousands of people out of work in California. And uh, the vice president, coincidentally, has come out in favor of doing this because it's essentially unionizing um, all workers, right? So um, I think of this 
Prop 22 is a carve out for Uber, Lyft, DoorDash people um, to at least allow them to continue to work as independent contractors uh, when they want to work, for whom they want to work and how they want to work. Some people have reached out to me that weren't happy with my support of it because they want the full repeal of AB5, which I do as well. So, for example, if you're a musician and you go work at a club on the weekends, you know, AB5 says that that club should absorb that person as a musician. And then pay the uh, unemployment insurance, workers' comp, and all that kind of stuff. Well, if I'm a musician, I want to play at this club one weekend, maybe this club the next weekend, and I don't want private to... event the next weekend. Yeah, I yeah. don't want to be an employee. I want to do what I want to do, right? right? Well, what if I'm a musician that actually creates art, creates music? If you work for someone, you don't own that anymore. So the person that you work for owns that. So there's a bigger problem if you're um. If you perform at a local community theater and you come and do Peter Pan for, you know, two weeks and then you want to go do uh, another play at a different place. Okay, so the local community theaters are not money makers, right? They're local right. community theaters. Right. So the ticket prices are going to go up if those people have to be employees. Uh, um, the the I mean, it's just going to be unaffordable, creating a bigger gap again for those that have and those that have not. So that's cultural, it's community-oriented, and it's an attack on all of those things that most people value. Um, piano teachers. I mean, this this thing goes so far, and it's, it's such a huge umbrella, a huge net that has been cast on these independent contractors, all in the name of, well, they don't pay their taxes. Such a bunch of crap. I mean, that's just it's just not true. Um, just because you want to work when you want to work shouldn't we're in the United States of America. You're a business I mean, owner. Yeah. Yes, it's crazy. So it really does. Um, it really does affect so many thousands of people in California. So that's why I'm a yes on 22, because I think, you know, let's start there and maybe we can go further. Um, I really want to repeal the whole thing, though. Um, the last proposition that I think is super important that I did want to touch on, I'm a no on, but um, I just want to explain it to people a little bit so we're sure that we understand them, and that's Prop 15. I know that you know all, all about this. You want to explain it? I mean, I'll just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you go. You're the expert. Prop 13 is actually put in place by the voters in 1978 for for homeowners where we have tax protection. So Prop 15 is actually um, going to, if passed, going to reassess commercial uh, property values and tax them at that current rate instead of um, what we've had in place for so long. So I tell everyone, no matter if you are a renter in an apartment complex or if you are a pizza um, shop owner, then your taxes, your your rent rates are going to go up because nobody in their right mind is going to absorb that much of an increase in taxes without passing it along to the next person. So if I own a commercial property, let's just say it's apartments, I'm reassessed at the 2021 value of that building, then the m- renters inside that building, their rent is going to go up because I've just, you know, increased my liability, my overhead. So um, that's what Prop 15 is. I'm a, a staunch no on that. I encourage everyone to vote no on that. And they're they're putting lipstick on a pig with this one because they're saying, oh, it's for the schools and for the firefighters. I don't care what the worded wording says. At the end of the day, it's a tax hike and it's going to affect everybody. So even yeah. if you buy a pizza from the pizza store, your pizza is going to cost 40 bucks now because, you know, they can't absorb that uh, cost. Well, that's, I think like, because so we had another thing in my industry happen earlier this summer, which was Fannie Mae implemented mm. this additional 
cost for people doing refinances. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, they're just seeing all the, <clears throat> the numerous amount of transactions and they want a bigger piece of the sure. pie. Yeah. So they go hit the mortgage companies with this, this adjustment. And it's foolish thinking in the exact same line that this yeah. is foolish thinking. The foolish thinking is that they think, oh, we're going to add this cost, whether it be the tax. Both of them are taxes, basically. Right. So we're going to add this tax. And yeah, the the company is going to absorb it. The <clears throat> owner of the commercial building or the mortgage company, they're just going to absorb it, which is is not right in thinking. None no. of these businesses are sitting there going, oh, yay. Um, I have just all this flush money yeah. and, you know, they're, everyone's working on shoestring budgets more or less, depending on the industry. Right. So, you know, all of that cost always gets passed to the consumer Absolutely, every yeah. time in my industry with that Fannie Mae hike, it gets passed to the consumer with this kind of thing. It's going to be passed to the consumer. So, you know, the other thing I don't think that they're really looking at with this is now that COVID has hit and so many people are working from home. The going to the office in a commercial building right. has diminished greatly, yeah. right? And there's going to be, even when we get a vaccine <clears throat> and therapies and all this stuff, you're still going to have people who are uncomfortable going to the office and the employers aren't going to be in a position, nor should they, to mm-hmm. mandate, we'll get to the office or else, sure. right? So they're going to give people the flexibility to work from home. So you're still going to have a big portion of that workforce not utilizing the office. So what's going to happen? Well, these big employers are going to start downsizing the amount of office space Absolutely, that they carry. Yeah. So not only are you going to cost people out of it through the tax, but because of this whole COVID situation that I'm moving. So it's, it's, a, it's a double-edged mm-hmm. sword that's a lose-lose on both sides. Yeah, it is. And, and I think uh, some employers are realizing their employees are more productive when they work from home. They are. They're more available. They get more done. And um, it's definitely going to change. While I like that, uh, Education cannot be done at home. It must be done. And, and it, it, you know, when you walk into a school, you, uh, you create uh, a great equality in learning. Everybody there has the same resources. They get taught the same way, uh, you know, and unless they have obviously IEPs or they need special assistance, uh, which, again, that's not helping anyone right now either. Right. Um, so it takes a special person to be able to teach. Yeah, you know, it really does. Kind of stuff. It yeah. really does. But, I mean, I just think – what what California is doing ultimately is creating a wider gap between those that have and those that have not. And that just doesn't work um, in history. It hasn't worked. And if they continue that route, it's not going to work for us. And so that's why I encourage people, know who you're voting for. You know, uh, Melanie for Assembly, reach out to me uh, if you have questions or, or ideas. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think is really important is that uh, in North County, we have a homelessness problem. and uh, Many are our veterans, and I um, I think we need to take better care of them, and I'm proposing legislation to do so. Uh, as soon as I get elected, that's one of my top priorities, which is going to be a tax savings for them so that we retain them in California so that they don't get their pensions and run away from the state because it's cheaper to live somewhere else. Um, because, in fact, I, I get it. There's so many people leaving that we're probably going to lose some seats in our house. So um, we have to do a better job at managing what we have and the natural resources that we have. And um, and also take care of people, you know, take care of the people that live here and yeah. that uh, their livelihoods are here. So um, that's what I wanted to share as far as campaign updates and things like that go. We definitely we're excited. We're having a I had a painting event. We called it Painting with Patriots. And it was um 
right before, it was in September. And so we painted a flag on canvas. And one of my sweet, sweet volunteers that paints uh, and teaches third graders to paint. And I told her, I paint like a third grader. Come on over. You can, <laughs> you can you know, teach me. And it was a great event. We're doing another one. And we're going to be painting pumpkins. And that's going to be on October 17th. Oh, cool. Very small uh, donation for this event. And it's so fun because everyone everyone's personality comes out in a painting uh you know you have someone super conservative that's all in the lines and then you have people that are like very different and there's splatters on it and then you know and then you have me where i'm trying to do it exactly like she's doing it you know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're going to do that for fall um october 17th so um anything that we have going on we're going to be at the veterans association the second friday of this month is that this friday i can't remember if it's this friday It'll we'll be, be there friday, yeah. um We've, so what so what events you have coming up still? So you have yeah, this Friday you yeah. have at the Veterans Administration, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, Next Tuesday will be my one of my last cooking shows, Cooking with the Candidate on Instagram, 3 p.m. Live cooking show. And then I'm doing my final conversation with the candidate, like a town hall on the 22nd of October. Um, we're going to have Carl DeMaio on that day. Okay. Uh, we'll probably talk about propositions and uh, measures that we're you know, really up against here in November. And then we've got election day coming up. Yeah. So we're going to be plus the pumpkins, plus the, the gun range, the gun range. Yeah. And we're going to be out and about. I mean, we are not letting COVID put us down. We have uh, been knocking on doors for 16 weeks. We wear masks, we step six feet away and we talk to the voter and believe me, Jason, they want to be talked to. They have been lonely. I mean, at the end of it, it's like, it's like the isolation isn't helping anyone. And so um, when you have these candidates, I mean, even at the presidential level that aren't doing the, the, uh, grassroots yeah. campaign efforts, yeah. right. In, in the, in the guise of, of COVID and we mm -hmm. all need to be safe, which there's safe ways to do it anyways, like you're doing. Yeah. Um, but that grassroots initiative, I mean, that's, that's what drives people to go vote, you know, and it makes, I think it makes the, the voters feel like they're valued. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Have some I mean, level of importance. It's so funny to me too because I get um all well, I get all of the communications because I want to make sure if my my name is on something, then it's got to be right. You know, right. um, it's nothing worse than sending out something for Secret Service agency wide and having something misspelled or something like that. Oh my gosh, that would be awful. So, um, anyway, the funny thing is when people send me a request for a yard sign and they forget to put their address in. I call them on the phone. Hey, this is Melanie. Um, we're going to get you a lawn sign. I've got the team ready to go, but I need your address. Wait, who is this? It's really you? And it's so funny to me because like, who else is going to call for me? Like, I don't have assistants sitting around you know, waiting to, I mean, I have, a, that's not true. I have an amazing team of, you know, 75 volunteers that are really working every day, um, every day, so hard for this campaign, whether it's marketing or, um, you know, communications or media, um, they're, they're really trying to get it out there. And uh, good news, we did have another independent expenditure come across today. Those are outside people that are supporting the campaign that are doing advertisements for me. So when you're scrolling through your Insta, you know, at, at 10 o'clock at night and you, oh, there's Melanie. That's, yeah, there you go. They're advertising for oh, me. That's so cool. It is cool. And it's a great way to get your name recognition out there. So, um, yeah, we just, we got so much going on. Um, and we just want to have an, not a new normal, but our normal back. You know, we just would, we want yeah. to see that. And in Sacramento, it's so, uh, it's so bad in Sacramento. That's why we need to have me elected to get a greater balance of power so that, um, Absolutely. that voices can be heard that have been 
stifled for the past. I mean, you know, this this seat is actually historically a Republican seat. Uh, my my uh, opponent. I call her the accidental assemblywoman because she snuck in there because we <laughs> we didn't have a Republican on the ballot. So you're never going to win if you don't have a oh, well, Republican. Yeah, ballot. if you don't have an opponent, that <laughs> makes it pretty easy, right? Yeah. So uh, that's that's what we got to do come November 3rd. I encourage everybody, please vote. I mean, this is a, you know, critical election, not just mine, but even into uh, school board positions, city council positions. You know, if you enjoy local control, I'm a local control candidate. I want the cities to do what they feel is best for their cities um, and municipalities. And that's just really important when you're thinking about what the um, legislative body does in Sacramento. And that's, you know, mandate, more mandates. More when you laws. hit on it too, like the balance of power, I don't know that, I don't know if people understand it all the way, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when, when one party has such a super majority mm -hmm. in any legislative body, sure. right? At the state level or, or, or others, um, it creates the ability for them to do whatever they want to do, not necessarily what's in the best interest of the people whom they represent. Correct. And that's why you're seeing a lot of bad legislation right. uh, come across that people are just, I mean, they contact and, well, me And you day. couple that with the careerness of mm -hmm. their political life yep. and and now they got the super control it's just all about what's best for them right it doesn't have anything to do with the people that they're representing right um and it makes a mess of things because we don't they're not accountable even my opponent she won't vote on something that she thinks could go either way she just won't show up to vote because it doesn't matter they still have a super majority she yeah. doesn't have to be accountable um i mean it's it's really frustrating when you're an opponent you know and someone that's an incumbent um, won't Zoom debate you or, or, you know, not even get into a forum or to Chamber of Commerce. It's just, it doesn't make any sense, you know? So. Well, I'll call her. I, I, she's a chicken. I mean, <laughs> I mean, bluntly said, you know, I mean, if you're not willing to, you know, if you're, if you're trying to, to win the bout, but you're unwilling to jump into the ring. Yeah. It's really hard. To, yeah. yeah. I mean, how, how do you, how do you win the fight if you're unwilling to jump I, into the ring? You I know? don't know. I mean, I, I, I signed up to take bullets for a president, so I'm not scared of a, an incumbent, you know, right. Democrat debate, but it just seems to me, um, I, I don't have anything to lose. You know, why not? Let's just go. I put the boxing gloves on. Let's go. You know, I don't yeah. care. But I, I, it doesn't, you know, even her town halls and everything she does is, is scripted. She doesn't take spontaneous questions or extemporaneous anything. It's just, it's just, uh, it's so interesting to me. It's I, again, accidental assemblywoman. <laughs> well, another thing too, um, I, I think, and you touched on a little bit is, you know, accessibility mm -hmm. like to the candidates mm -hmm. and, and even when you're in office, right? I mean, the whole purpose is to represent Correct. the people, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know if, if everyone feels this way, but I, I would assume that some people feel like, oh, well, they're such and such office, you know, I can't reach out to them. They're, they're way up here. Mm -hmm. But I think that's really couldn't be more further from the truth, right? Yeah. Is, is you guys like and look forward to that interaction from the people whom you represent? Right? Well, I do. I mean, it's interesting that you bring that particular topic up because the thing is, um, people have reached out to me saying, I've reached out to Tasha's office and she won't, nobody's calling me back. You know, I don't really know what to do about my small business loan or, you know, whatever the case may be, or my child that is on an IEP that needs some help and the school district isn't responding, you know? So um, I'm that type of leader, but uh, clearly she is not. So there's another thing that you can vote for in November. 
Yeah. Ballots are dropped. Um, vote early, vote often, they say, right? <laughs> right. Right. So um, thank you again, Jason, for having me on so close to the election, too. It was yeah. really nice to be able to go over the propositions and about what we've got going on in the campaign. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, anything we can do to help and um, yeah, change the balance of power and, and support you that we absolutely will. So yeah. thanks for um, spending some time with us. I know your schedule yeah. is tight right now, yeah. so close to the election, but we appreciate you carving out a, a little piece for us. My pleasure. Awesome. Well, thanks, Melanie. Thanks. Best of luck. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Armed and Ready podcast today. As always, if you have any questions, visit me on valonguy.us.